I think you should be creating content probably in other places. Most often people who get to 100 subscribers and carry on, they get there relatively quickly because they've been being useful in other places. For example, on Twitter, in forums, you should focus less on getting more subscribers through the door and more on being useful and creating content. In today's episode, I talk with Louis Nichols from Sparkloop. And Sparkloop is an email newsletter referral program where you can have each of your subscribers refer their friends to unlock cool rewards. So for example, if you refer three friends to a newsletter, you could get access to the special content. 10 friends, you get a t-shirt. 50 friends, you get something extra incredible. Uh, Sparkloop is amazing. They're growing really quickly in the audience, uh, in the audience building space. And uh, Convert is actually an investor in Sparkloop and we give away Sparkloop accounts for free to all of our Creator Pro customers. So the article is so good. We talk about how to grow your email list by more than, or increase your email list growth rate by more than 30% with a referral program, as well as uh, Louis' take on paid newsletters, how best to monetize your audience, and so much more. So let's dive in. Louis, welcome to the show. Nathan, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. All right. So let's talk Sparkloop right at first. Um, You've been in the newsletter industry for a while. You've been watching this whole space, um, building lists of your own. What was the the impetus for wanting to start Sparkloop? Yeah, um, kind of half from me, but also half from my co-founder Manuel. So Manuel had been running a like a generic referral tool called Referral Hero for a couple of years. It was, or it still is, pretty successful. Had a lot of clients, you know, larger Fortune 500s as well as smaller ones. And that was in like the generic referral space, so mainly e-commerce, SaaS, and so on. And I was at that point where I just sold my last company and was kind of looking around for things to do and keeping myself kind of engaged. So I was running a small newsletter, uh, doing a small course, teaching founders how to do sales and doing kind of like that classic I call it marketing consulting, but really just kind of helping other founders who who reached out with some kind of like consulting gigs. And one of them ended up being a, a paid newsletter uh, in like the flight deal space. Okay. And they, I think they'd probably at that point seen what Morning Brew was doing with their referral program. And they were really eager to add one in. So they asked if I knew of anyone who could help do that. And I said, well, I've done referral programs before. And the software I've used is from my friend Manuel, who runs Referral Hero. So I thought, well, if anyone knows what tool to do, what tool to use, it's going to be Manuel. So I'll ask him, reach out to Manuel. And he says, well, you can kind of make Referral Hero do this with a lot of work. Uh, there isn't really a better option out there. But it's funny you say this because you're like the fourth person this week who's asked me if we can get Referral Hero working with newsletters. So maybe we should look a bit into this together. And um, that's kind of, I think, where it started. We didn't originally plan for Sparkloop to be a new tool necessarily. We thought it could be kind of inside of Referral Hero. But as we kind of understood more about exactly how it was supposed to work and kind of the integrations that newsletters need to be successful, um, we realized it really needs its own dashboard and its own integrations. And at that point, it may as well be a separate product. Yeah, that makes sense. And so we're, we're recording this in January 2021. Um, when was that that uh, you two started working on 
Sparkloop? I think the first time we probably started talking about it was in summer 2019. Yeah, so about a year and a half ago. Yeah, and so now, I mean, Sparkloop's powering referral programs for a whole bunch of people. I know James Clear, um, a lot of ConvertKit customers. Um, who are some other examples that you could share? Yeah, uh, James Clear, Tim Ferriss would be two big ones from the kind of like that personality author space, I guess. Um, then we have a lot of info product creators using us, people like Brennan Dunn um, and Law from Nest Labs, who I know you've had on the on the podcast recently. And then we're seeing a lot of interest from kind of the the media companies as well. So uh, Punchball News, who just recently launched, are using us, Front Office Sports, uh, people like that. Nice. Okay, so when someone's thinking about a referral program, what are some of those misconceptions, right? Someone comes in and they're they're like, I'm going to copy what Morning Brew does exactly. Like, and then it's going to explode. We're going to have viral growth. We're like... It's going to solve all of my uh, user acquisition problems. <laughs> what are some of the things that people come in with? And where do you either say, no, this is actually the best practice or like sort of reset their expectations? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how long do you have? We could, we could go at this all day, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with some common ones. The, I think the most common one we see straight off the bat is that some people, their newsletters are just too small for it to be worthwhile. Um, so if you have maybe a hundred or 200 subscribers, yes, you can grow, I don't know, 20%, 50% faster with a referral program, but 20 or 50% of five new subscribers a week just isn't worth the time you'd put into it, right? You could be cross posting or doing something way more useful with the time instead. Um, so that's the, the main one when we see what sort of very very minimum threshold yeah. that it, that it does make sense. Good question. So I think if you don't monetize your newsletter yet, or you monetize it via sponsorships, then you're probably looking at somewhere between the thousand to two thousand subscriber mark is when it starts to really be something you should think about. If you do monetize, especially if you have you know courses or something like that, where you're like the value of a lifetime value of a subscriber is is high, is twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars then it can make sense, you know, with 100 subscribers. I mean, <laughs> I use it for sales for founders, my, my newsletter and course, because I only have about 1,500, or I did only have about 1,500 subscribers on that list, but each of them was worth about $56 on average. So even getting two or three new subscribers for me a month is a big deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, when you're looking at, oh, well, I have... I feel like I have so many different questions, but when you're looking at the revenue per subscriber across lists, um, since you have this insight now across a whole bunch of different newsletters, what are some of those defining things? Is it always the highest when someone has a paid course? Um, courses are, I think, one of the, the things that we've seen so far that do tend to have the highest like lifetime value per subscriber, it depends. So I, yeah, I think courses probably are like the highest consistent one that we've seen on average. And then you also have services, which are super hard to define because you'll have maybe 5,000 people on the list and one of them is going to pay $200,000, but you don't know which one it is. So like leaving them aside, cause that's like a whole different thing. I would when say it's courses that, and, yeah. where you're saying like, Oh, I made $200,000 off the list. So every subscriber is worth $200. It's like, 
No. <laughs> yes and no. Like technically that is the average and and no, you shouldn't make business decisions based off of that. Totally. Yeah, totally. So I, I think info product creators probably at the top, and then you have paid newsletters, paid communities as well, which tends to be a tiny bit lower. Uh, and then after that, you have sponsorships, affiliates, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So going back to the, the, the difference in what people are expecting from a referral program, you know, versus what they should actually do. What are some of those things that come to mind? Yeah. So uh, we talked about already about the, the idea that you don't want to start when you're too small. The other thing you have to bear in mind is that you have to be sending regular emails for it to be worthwhile because you need to be asking people often to share. And if you only send an email every month or every you know three weeks or so, that doesn't give you very many opportunities to, to nudge people to, to refer. So they tend to see pretty poor results. And it, it does tend to be the daily newsletters like the Morning Brew, Punchbowl will get the best results. And then you know twice a week, weekly, they get great results as well. Anything where you're not sending at least once every week tends to be more difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And is that um, is that a call to action that you're putting in every email? Um, is that something that you do dedicated emails for? How, how does it perform best? Yeah. What we tend to see is that you want to have a, a call to action, like a referral section inside of every email that you send out unless that email has some other really important call to action in it. So if you're launching a new course or you really want to drive people to a particular link, particular website or video, then maybe you'd skip that week because you don't want people going off in different directions and doing different things. But in general, you'd have it in every single newsletter, normally either towards the bottom or somewhere in the middle um, where people are going to see it. And then we also recommend that you probably want to have a, a specific welcome email. So when someone joins your newsletter, you presumably have a, a welcome sequence or several welcome sequences, depending on whether people, you know, where people joined from or, or why they joined. And what you normally don't want to do is to introduce the referral program in email one because they haven't had a chance to, to trust and, you know, get to know you yet. But normally a couple of days later, so between seven and, and 14 days after they sign up, you want to say, Hey, you know, I, I hope you're really enjoying the content. It's all free. Uh, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with a couple of people who you think will get value as well and, and have that email somewhere in there. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're effectively asking for a sale in some way, right? In this case, they're not paying with dollars. They're paying with, um, a bit of their time and their reputation, right? Where if I'm saying, Hey, you know, my friend Barrett, like Louis's email is really good you know, go pay attention to it. I'm like attaching a little bit of my reputation to that. And so if you're doing that before there's trust built up where you're saying, Hey, you should, you should go pitch your friends on this. And you know, we're on email one or email two, it's probably premature. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think it's an interesting point that you raise about the, I mean, the trust is absolutely spot on, but also that you're, you're asking people to pay, like to, to pay you in a way. Um, we do see that you can almost separate the approach that you take with a referral program out into two kind of distinct ones where what most people are used to is kind of like the, the really transactional approach of morning brew where it's quite obvious. They're saying, Hey, please go and do this work for us. Please go and refer these people and actively work towards it to get this reward, this prize that we're giving you in return for the work. And 
that can work well, but it's also like once you have that, once you state that relationship with your subscribers, then it's very difficult to row back from that, from asking them to do work for you. So what we normally recommend is to start off with more of a nudge and to say, Hey, we're not asking you to go and do work for us, but we know, for example, Nathan, we know that you enjoy my newsletter about whatever it is. Um, we know that there must be a lot of other people on the ConvertKit team who really should be reading this as well, that you should be sharing it with. So as a thank you for sharing it with them, here's a small little thing just to, to say thank you, basically. And so what's an example of one of those small things that you would do where it doesn't feel as transactional um, or like this big ask? Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting thing as well. So most people, they come in and they naturally assume when it comes to rewards that they need to do either some kind of discount, mm -hmm. so money off something, or that they need to do some form of physical swag or gift. So maybe mugs, t-shirts, AirPod cases, stickers even, something like that. And those are expensive, firstly. <laughs> you know, You don't necessarily want to be paying for those and then shipping them and coordinating all of that, it, it can be a pain. But also, secondly, they tend to underperform from what we've seen compared to what makes really good rewards, which is rewards in our experience that are based around either exclusivity or around urgency. So either getting access to something that there's no other way for them to get access to, often that's content, Maybe in your case, it could be, um, and well, so James Clear, for example, has a secret newsletter that he sends every month, which you can only get if you make three referrals. Or we've seen people do uh, kind of small coffee chats via Zoom once a month, have insider clubs. Um, we've seen authors, for example, who will say, uh, you can get a, a chapter from the book that I ended up removing from the book and that no one else has read, for example, that kind of thing. It's something that you can only get if you, you know, if you make the referral something exclusive or on the urgency side, which works really well for info product creators, course creators is to say, I'm going to give you early access to something. Uh, so when I had my last launch of the sales of founders course, for example, um, the course was launching on a Monday on a Wednesday, I emailed my list and said, Hey, on Monday, on Monday, you're going to get access to this thing for free. If you'd like to get it on Friday, just share this link with, with two people. And just that act of doing it grew my list by about 30%, even though it was only a, a two day difference, which you'd never think of, <laughs> of it working like that. Well, and there's no marginal cost to it, right? Where I think someone would assume coming in that I need to be on the other camp of, um, do this thing and I will send you a t-shirt and you're like, well, that's a, that's a $15 all in cost, you know? And so what I hear you saying is sure you can do that, but here's a digital version that has no additional cost that performs just as well, or even sometimes better. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you think about where the swag comes from, it's often because the really big newsletters that got popular with referral programs, the main two really are morning brew and the skim. And they're both very strongly branded newsletters focused mainly on college students and college students really identify with it and they would really like to have a free t-shirt. Um, if you're selling to, uh, or if, you, if you're writing emails, if you're creating content for people who are maybe professionals, then all of a sudden a free t-shirt, if you're making 150k a year, it uh, doesn't really move the needle that much. Whereas 
um, a coffee chat with other people who are in your industry would be super interesting for you. So it's, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so um, let's put on our free consulting hats for a second. And let's say, hypothetically, someone named Nathan Berry had a newsletter of 26,000 subscribers and was considering starting a referral program. Um, all hypothetical, of course. Um, what would what would you recommend uh, that program would look like? I think the first, I mean, I'd have to ask some questions first. So I think the first question I would probably ask is why people are signing up for the newsletter. So what do they turn up there for? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So it's a lot of content on uh, design marketing and audience growth um, combined with... Um, you know, how to run a startup or, uh, money or that sort of thing. Honestly, it's a very, very broad newsletter, right? Things like this podcast are yeah. coming out to it. Um, and another point, you know, just for, for reference is it's a list that, um, didn't go cold, but definitely got a lot colder as I focused on ConvertKit, you know? So for example, the list peaked at 30,000 or 32,000 subscribers, and I've just slowly kind of trimmed it down and cleaned it. Um, as it, you know, it's not growing fast. It's growing, I don't know, 20, 10 to 20 subscribers a day, not the hundreds of subscribers a day that you'd expect to get to those numbers. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. So then the other question that I would tend to ask as well is, um, how you, or, or what you want the people on your newsletter list to do. So once someone subscribes, what is kind of the, the end goal for them? Are you monetizing in some way? Is there something you'd like them, some action you'd like them to take? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I want them all to sign up for ConvertKit. Um, but honestly, at this point, yeah. ConvertKit is so much bigger. Whereas four years ago, five years ago, uh, my audience was driving ConvertKit. And and now, you know, uh, ConvertKit's email list is 10 to 20 times the size of, of my individual audience. So, uh, and there's, yes, they could buy the books and courses, but I don't push those very much. So I think it's, you know, I was talking to uh, Om Malik, who uh, started GigaOM years ago and now is a venture capitalist and investor, and, and he recently switched to ConvertKit. And he had this, this thing that I hope he executes on, this idea of saying he's only going to allow 10,000 people on his email list, and he wants the 10,000 most engaged people, right? So he wants like a 70% open rate or higher. And if someone doesn't open consistently, he's going to kick them out and then let in the next, like, 500 as he clears out that that slot and i don't know that i'd ever go that extreme though like i like the idea but i i would want people who i'd want the most engaged people who are there for a conversation or who are uh really fans of the work rather than just getting to the largest possible list got it okay okay yeah so uh, I love that idea. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure I'd have the audience to pull it off, but it's a, it's a fun one. Um, so normally when people have a list, they tend to have, they tend to be trying to monetize the list in some way, right? If you're using a referral program. So you would maybe, for example, with one of your books or one of your eBooks, what you might do is to say, okay, well, I would really love people who sign up to buy one of the books and then maybe they will see through that they will learn that they should use ConvertKit or they will take a course of mine or they will, I don't know, spread the word in some way internally so that the company buys ConvertKit or something like that. Um, so what you normally do there is you would try and tailor the reward to be something that someone who's kind of on the fence about buying the book would want. 
So it might be a free chapter from the book, for example. Uh, and you'd set that up as when it comes to the reward strategy, which isn't something we've really talked about, what you tend to want is to always have a reward that you can win for making between one and three referrals. So that's really easy to win because if you have a reward at that level, then everyone who, who sees it thinks, okay, yeah, sure. If I share this on Twitter, if I share this with a couple of friends, I'm going to get at least one or at least two people to sign up for sure. So I'm definitely going to get this thing. Mm-hmm. So I would have something in, in that space for between one and two referrals. It's digital. It's easy for you to do. You know, you can set up an automation in ConvertKit or your email tool to just send them the free chapter as a, as a download link once they make the number of referrals. And you don't really have to think about it again. And then what you might do on top of that is to have another reward somewhere between maybe five and 20 referrals. And that would probably be something that's slightly more um, more exclusive that people are probably going to have to work a tiny bit towards, or they're going to have to have quite a big list or quite a big kind of social sphere to be able to, to get straight off with one share. And that in your case, again, it's difficult because you're not trying to monetize directly, but something you might do there that we've seen work well is for example, to say, okay, um, a lot of the people on your list, for example, are probably marketers and will probably like to get themselves featured or in front of other people who are also on the list. So you might say, well, I will give a shout out at the bottom to the three people each week who make the most referrals. Or um, once you make 20 referrals, I will give you a quick shout out in in the footnotes of the newsletter or something like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Something that comes to mind is uh, there's a lot of content that I am intrigued on or want to write write about around money. And particularly, like I have a lot of people on my list who say have followed what I wrote in authority or something else over time, they've executed on that. And now they've made a hundred thousand dollars a year online. Whereas before they're making 40,000 in their old job, or now they're making 250,000 a year. And they're like, what even, what is happening? You know, you, if you go from 60,000 to 250,000, which you can do from a single, you know, course launch product launch, your world is completely different. But if you post about that sort of thing publicly, then there's all like, you have to deal with everyone saying like, look at you, you're now in the 1% or I, I don't know, like all the negative talk around it. And so one thing that came to mind is doing this, like a secret course that, you know, on, on money that shares a bunch of these things that once you're at this level, you should pay attention to, but that requires, you know, three or five or 10 referrals. Um, and I think that would be really interesting because it both is only for the most engaged people um, which will prevent some of the public backlash. Uh, and, you know, it could be a compelling reward. Totally, totally. And I think, you know, that's a great idea. And also with it being, I mean, it's it's your like Nathan Barry newsletter, right? People are there to hear from you. And that has similarities with James Clear, with, with Tim Ferriss' newsletter, where really what they what subscribers they want at the end of the day is they want more James, they want more Tim, they want more Nathan. Um, so having something like that that's exclusive, that's an insider thing that you can give them is is a great way of doing it. And maybe even layering on like a, a monthly coffee chat or every quarter maybe a, a coffee chat, something like that, just some way that people can connect. Uh, that, that obviously, in your case, you wouldn't want it to take up too much time but something where, you know, people can get more of what they signed up for, which is, is, is more Nathan Barry, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. What are some of your favorite 
programs that you've seen people put together? We talked about James. Um, what are some other examples that people have ex executed really well on the reward tiers or how they promote it? Yeah. So something I've really liked is um, Emmanuel at Stacked Marketer. And he does a great job of mixing in um, digital and physical rewards together. So he keeps the, the first couple of reward, uh, referrals that people would make. So up to about five referrals, it's all digital things that are completely free for him to give away. Um, like uh, access, early access to, to conference tickets and stuff like that. And then from there, he layers in um, physical rewards. So a mug, a t-shirt and so on. And he actually takes it all the way up to, um, I think for a thousand referrals, he will fly you to Vienna to get lunch with him, um, which I, I don't think has happened yet, but there are people aren't that far away. I could see that. I, in a post COVID world, I have an absurd number of airline points. I, you know, <laughs> that could make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we've had people make over a thousand referrals before. So I, I was saying this to, um, to Trevor McKendrick, who uses us in his newsletter and he, his, his kind of big shiny, uh, reward tier at the top the motivational one that kind of grabs headlines and gets people talking about it is I think for a thousand referrals, he will buy you a billboard in San Francisco and put whatever you want on it. And, um, I was explaining that there's, there's a, a chance that he may actually have to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, obviously you get these outliers of a thousand referrals or something. Are those always coming from someone who has a big audience? Um, or do you see it from, you know, a subscriber who is really just hustling like crazy? Yeah. You, you don't tend to see too many people hustling like crazy, to be honest. And you, you don't normally want that because if they're working for it, then the engagement of the people they're sending your way is probably going to be quite low. Um, so that's fine if you have like a morning brew or a hustle style audience where really they're happy to get a lot of people through the door and their audience is super broad and people will, you know, they do an amazing job in the first two weeks of making sure that people who aren't a good fit are segmented out and cleaned away and it's all fine. Um, if you're running a more niche newsletter, especially if you have like an info product or something like that, a paid newsletter, then you're really, you're looking for engaged subscribers, people who are really going to identify with it. So you, you almost don't want the rewards to be too good to the point where people will start to try and trick the system and, and get people to sign up who maybe wouldn't have been too interested. That makes sense. What if you, I, I think a fear that people would have with a referral system or particularly an incentivized referral system is that that engagement would be lower over time, right? That those subscribers would be um, less engaged. One thing that I'm realizing is inside the reporting in ConvertKit, you could segment down to referred subscribers and then just see their open rates trended over time and compare that to, um, you know, a, the more general cohort or a cohort that came from paid advertising or that came purely from organic search. Um, what have you seen? Is that does that fear play play out or are they? just as engaged as those that sign up organically. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying referral programs are the best for everything. They're not. But when it comes to engagement, I think anybody who uses Sparkloop and probably anybody who uses any referral program would say that the engagement is better than pretty much any other source that they get. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard that engagement from people who come via influencers is pretty good. Um, I think that was the head of growth at Morning Brew was talking about that a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting. But other than that, 
everything I've heard so far is basically that, that, you know, people who come from referrals, because the difference between like people coming from a giveaway, like a traditional giveaway, right? If you go on Twitter and say, Hey, um, sign up to my newsletter this week and you'll be in with a chance to win a MacBook or something like that, which people do. Well, you get loads of people who sign up because they want to win the MacBook. Whereas if you tell your existing audience, Hey, um, I'm going to give away a signed copy of my book this week to one person who makes at least one referral. Uh, well, the people who they've referred, they've only signed up probably through your existing landing page or through like a landing page, which is they're there for the newsletter, right? But they're not only there for the newsletter, they're there for their newsletter that they know their friend is subscribed to and that they've had refer like recommended to them and that they can chat about with that friend. So they're likely to be way better quality than anything else. And what we actually see is that, especially if you're going to go out and do paid advertising. So if you're going to do Facebook ads, for example, to your newsletter, then what you really want to do is you want to add in a referral program first. You want to see which people are referring and which people are being referred. And then you want to build a custom audience around that because those people are likely to be much better um, kind of acquisition sources through Facebook, through a custom audience than um, just, uh, you know, trying to build a, an audience in general. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then, then you're going to get, you know, for every dollar spent on Facebook to get a subscriber, you're going to get a little bit more of an incremental gain of, you know, another quarter of a subscriber on average or something like that. Totally. Yeah, totally. What are you seeing on like on some of the numbers? You know, if we were to spin up a, a, a referral program and execute it, maybe it's not the the most perfectly executed referral program ever, but we're following these best practices, making compelling content, that kind of thing. Um, say to a 25,000 subscriber list, I don't know, 30% open rates, um, something fairly average. Um, what do you see in a lift on, on subscriptions? Yeah. So what we tend to, to measure by is, is kind of the growth rate, right? So if you're growing, uh, let's say X percent a week, or X percent a month, what difference do we make to that is, is kind of how we measure ourselves. And what we tend to say is, or what we tend to see is that anybody with completely free digital rewards that cost them nothing, not putting a lot of thought into it, not running regular referral giveaways, which make a massive difference, uh, really kind of do, trying to do the bare minimum um, of, of, of time and, and money investment, they can get to somewhere between 15 and 20% faster growth with a referral program. Um, the average that we have across all of our Sparkloop customers is about 35% at the moment, which is just slightly higher than I think that Morning Brew has from what I've read. Um, and I mean, it goes the whole range, right? We've had people who consistently grow 300% faster, 400% faster, but they're sending daily newsletters. They have a super like gamified sequence. They have this wide audience normally of, of teens or of, of, you know, college students who are really interested in, in signing up. So it's, if you have that perfect storm, then really the, the sky's the limit, but yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think anything could, could change on that, but that's a great way to, to represent it of, whatever momentum you already have, we're looking for a lift on that rather than, you know, again, it goes back to if you, if the subscribers aren't there to begin with, it doesn't, it doesn't work. This is only a lift on what's already happening. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the truth is that people do, even without a referral program, you will have some people sharing. You will have people writing about the newsletter. You will have people sharing it in Facebook groups already. And if you're like, without doing anything else, if you're seeing basically no growth, 
that's normally something that's gone wrong there that a referral program isn't going to fix in the same way that probably paid ads also aren't going to fix that. There's something more fundamental that needs to be, to be sorted out. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, taking a break from referral programs for a little bit, I want to talk like newsletters in general. Newsletters are having this, this resurgence, right? There've been various waves of it. One was in the blogging. Uh, I feel like when, maybe it's just when I came into blogging, but when there was this big wave in 2008 to 2010, something, 2012, something like that. I feel like Tiny Letter pushed newsletters a lot in 2013, 14, somewhere in there, and then died off. And then now with Substack and, and Review and ConvertKit and all this, right? There's this big wave in, in newsletters. Do you think that's something that is here to stay? What do you, what do you think is different this time from uh, other particular <laughs> waves we've seen in the past? Wow. <laughs> so big question. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think people, so what I've seen is over the last couple of years that, I mean, info product creators have always known that they need to own their own email list, I think. And people have always been blogging and have known, yeah, it would be a good idea to be able to email people the same thing so that they don't have to come and discover me every time and, and check if something's going on. And then I think over the last couple of years, what I've seen is that people who are maybe more into like the, the nerdier kind of technical <laughs> industries have kind of cottoned onto the same idea, right? So we've seen people moving from uh, tech journalism into newsletters. We've seen podcasters realizing, oh, wow, I should probably own this audience as well. Um, people on certain platforms who've been kind of, especially, I think, you know, people with Facebook audiences, for example, have seen, okay, yes, I have this group with 70,000 people in, but tomorrow I may not be able to email or to reach even five of them. So they've kind of woke up to that threat and realized, yeah, they need to, uh, to own that audience in a way that really only email makes easy with the kind of content that you'd want to send them. And what I'm seeing at the moment, especially from like conversations with people who are, you know, talking to us at Sparkloop is that we're getting a lot of interest from kind of younger and, and maybe slightly more or, or less, less, less closely related to the tech industry industries. So people coming from YouTube, people coming even from TikTok, from Instagram, um, all those people you wouldn't even necessarily think that they would have a big email list, like, um, personal trainers who don't, who do most of that on, on Instagram, for example, they are suddenly really aware that they need to start growing their email list. And, um, I think that's kind of, it, it, I definitely think it's here to stay at least, you know, for the, the foreseeable future. I think it's, it's a really interesting time to be, to be an email for sure. Yeah. It's really fun that you, like no one in the last two years has said like, isn't email dying? Whereas before, they did. And you're like trying to explain, no, it's not at all. You know, like we see a, these trends in the numbers and it's just, it's crazy. But now it feels like the mainstream sort of uh, press and general sentiment is catching up where people are, are realizing that they should have this hub and spoke model where the email list is their hub. And then the TikTok and YouTube and Twitter and et cetera are all these spokes that drive back to the hub. Yeah, totally. Um, something else that, I've been wondering about your take on this. You and I are both fairly vocal on, on Twitter about uh, email list monetization methods. Um, what's been your take on paid newsletters and how have you seen uh, those play out? Oh, um, I, this is so difficult. I think a lot of people are going to get burnt by 
paid newsletters. And I think I see a lot of people right now who have been really struggling to get a hundred subscribers and who, if they had tried to monetize in some other way, wouldn't be making $500 a month, but we would be making closer to, you know, 5,000 or $10,000 a month. Uh, I mean, I was thinking about it with my own list for sales for founders. If that was a weekly list, an email where I would be just giving some sales tips each week or giving the same advice in a weekly format, I don't think I would be at uh, even $2,000 in monthly recurring revenue with that as a paid newsletter. But I mean, in the first year of doing it, I was in the six figures with it, with courses and with, with coaching. Um, so I think especially at the, I, I think people, a lot of people have gone into that too enthusiastically without maybe realizing that you are on a treadmill at a certain point and you have to then decide, okay, uh, do I, you know, hire, do I make this more professional? Do I want to keep creating content or outsource the content creation to someone else for a long time? Uh, you know, like long-term to be able to grow it to something sustainable, or do I want to add in different monetization streams? I think we, we already talked about Anne Laura and S Labs, who maybe originally kind of started off with the idea of it being a paid newsletter, but realized actually it's more of a paid community with other things going on there. And the newsletter again is really kind of just a, a way to get in there. Um, I've seen other people like, like Dan from Trapital who tried the, the paid newsletter and it didn't quite go so well. And you realized consulting and services were, were a much better shout. Right. So that's one of the things I think also, if I look at like Substack, for example, the, the challenge that they're going to have is that it's super difficult to layer other products and other services on top of that. And th that's going to become, I think, <laughs> a real, a real blockade when people realize, Hey, for the same amount of work, I could be making you know two three five times as much money quite easily well that's basically the same point that i made on twitter a while ago is um let's say we're trying to optimize for earning a hundred thousand dollars as a creator as an independent creator online i want to go from zero to a hundred thousand uh, dollars in annual revenue what's the best path to do that and if that's our goal i don't think it's a paid newsletter now, if the goal is I want to have the simplest business model and I want to make sure that money just shows up really consistently and I have a straight, a difficult but straightforward life of showing up, writing one, two, three articles a week, promoting them in this way and making sure that I get the same $2,000, $5,000 a month that just shows up like clockwork, then a paid newsletter is fantastic for that because it's going to be very predictable. You and I both know from product launches that you can have a bunch of like $500 weeks and then you can have a $50,000 week and then a bunch of, you know, and then it'll, it'll taper off again. And well, that's far more money usually over the course of uh, a period of time. Um, it can be stressful, right? Especially if you wanted to hire employees or something like dealing with payroll when you have these spikes, but I'm totally with you when I see, I guess I'm of two minds on paid newsletters. One, it's incredible. And I love that the willingness to pay is there in the market. And it just it added a whole new monetization method for creators where you can choose whatever you prefer. Uh, and then the other side, I'm like, that is a whole lot of work for not as much revenue as you could through a course or through coaching or through, um, you know, so many other, other methods. Yeah, totally. And you know, I don't think it's necessarily either or. And I think there are just kinds of newsletter that need to be like that, right? So um, Isaac over at Tangle, for example, he's writing 
news. Like it needs to be up to date. Having an info product or a course or something for him, it wouldn't really make sense. Whereas, you know, a, a paid newsletter in that case, because it's it's regular content that needs to be updated all the time, then that's an absolutely amazing way of, you know, of, of supporting him. Whereas there are other people who, you know, if founders want to come to me, for example, and learn sales, well, they don't want to learn sales for three years. If, if they're learning sales from me for three years, that means I've done a terrible job at teaching them how to do sales, right? So I want them to sign up for my newsletter. I want them to stick around for a couple of months, and then I want them to not need my newsletter anymore. And I'm, you know, I think that, you know, you just have to kind of, there will be a good mix of business models depending on what your audience wants. And I think understanding what your audience wants is the most important thing. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you see in platforms of people choosing, you know, Substack? Uh, Review was just acquired yesterday by Twitter. Um, so that's exciting new news. I guess in full disclosure, um, ConvertKit is a shareholder in Sparkloop uh, through an investment earlier this year. No, last year. I keep forgetting that's 2021. Um, <laughs> uh, but what are you seeing? Because Sparkloop integrates with a lot of different platforms. Um, and takes over this platform agnostic approach, which I think is fantastic. Um, what are you seeing in, in why people are choosing each platform? Yeah, it's, it's, so I think we honestly don't see, I hope I don't get told off for this. We don't see many people choosing review. I think, uh, it's just not, uh, I think that will change now with Twitter, but up until now, it, ha- it was kind of pricey and they had like, you know, more limited features and maybe were focused more on um, kind of the, the slightly larger media companies. Um, when it comes to Substack, I think the advantage, the reason people go for well, one of the advantages Substack has that people go for them a lot is also kind of the downside for the creator that makes them move somewhere else which is that it's very strongly Substack branded. You know you're on Substack and Substack considers you as a subscriber to be a Substack subscriber, not just a uh, a subscriber to a particular newsletter that happens to be using Substack in the background. So again, it's they, have, they make it very, very easy to get in and to get started. And I think that's a great thing. And I think, you know, having as many people as possible blogging and creating newsletters and sharing what they, what they know with people is, is absolutely amazing. Um, but I also think that there comes a point quite quickly when you start to realize with a tool like that, and I mean, there are new ones popping up every day. You, you do get to the point where you realize, well, if I could just send a welcome sequence. If I could just do this one thing, if I could just tag people here or give them this link, or just if I could just upsell for this one specific thing, or even just change this one tiny thing, then without doing any extra work, I could be making twice as much money. And I know that kind of, you know, I can take this audience with me wherever I want to go. And I think that is the big reason that I'm seeing that you have a lot of people coming into Substack and finding newsletters and being inspired by Substack and things like that, but then quickly turning to other tools that give them that kind of, um, you know, that give them that flexibility to actually own their audience and actually, you know, make money and give their audience what they want. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of publications start really easily on Substack and then graduate from Substack over time. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, just last week, um, Mario moved the generalist off of Substack and, and over to ConvertKit, and then um, ConvertKit and Pico and and uh, you know a collection of tools, and then uh, Dan and Nathan moved Every off to their own custom built platform, 
And so I think you're just going to see more of that as people come in and then grow and, and, and graduate out. Yeah, I think it is, it is, it is graduating, right? That's how people, it's almost, it's, it's a consistent word that people use. They graduate from Substack to something else, which I think is a, it's a really accurate way of putting it, but also maybe not the best thing for Substack as a company that, that people graduate from them or that people call it graduating. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's not a dig on Substack in particular because. Like when you graduate from high school, you're not like, oh, that was a terrible waste. Well, maybe, maybe it depends on your high school experience, right? But, but you're like, I learned all of this and now it has set me up for university, right? And, and so it's sort of that thing of when you get started, I think in writing a newsletter, there's so much to do. And we see this with ConvertKit where you'll get someone say who has 200 subscribers and they're like, let me launch a referral program. Let me... Um, look at this crazy automation. I segment this so many different ways and they're learning all of that. And you're like, hi, quick point. You have one person that made it down this like obscure branch of your automation. Like by the time you took 200 and, and branched all the way down, what you actually need, the habit you need to work on is writing consistently and publishing and promoting that content. And that's what Substack has done so well. And so it's, it's this initial training rounds. And then once you're at the, thousand, five thousand, ten thousand subscribers and you have the writing habit, then it's like, okay, I'm here. Now I can graduate and use, you know, a, a tool like ConvertKit or something else that is going to have the sequences and the segmentation. The challenge that we have as ConvertKit is building a tool that that beginner can start on as well. Because um, I think Substack has demonstrated that they can make the market so much bigger. Yeah, totally. I love that. It's like that analogy. It reminded me of, I don't know when you were a kid and, and playing sports, whether you, you'd you see those, like you'd always want like the best, you know, running shoes or like the best, in, in my case, like the best like goggles or the best swimming, like, um, you know, like the, the best like swimming trunks and stuff like that. And it's always like, well, you don't necessarily need to have like the perfect best equipment to get started you just need to actually go and practice you need to go and run you need to go and play and you don't need to spend five thousand dollars on a you know a pair of shoes or something like that yeah yep i completely agree um as we start to wrap up i'd love to hear you know we, we talked in uh, newsletter referral programs quite a bit um, but i'd love to hear some of your more general advice for someone who's starting a newsletter and maybe growing from Actually, let's start with getting any, any advice for someone looking to get those first hundred subscribers for their newsletter. I don't know. Um, I think the first 100, I'm almost more of a fan of, I think you should be creating content probably in other places. And when you, before you start your newsletter, I think if you're going to start writing a newsletter about something in particular, most often people who get to hundred subscribers and carry on, they get there relatively quickly because they've been being useful in other places, for example, on Twitter, in forums, um, maybe even, you know, physically in, 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 you know, in, in places like in a, in a company or somewhere like that, maybe less at the moment with COVID. So I think for those first 100, I, I almost think you should focus less on getting more subscribers through the door and more on being useful and creating content in other places where people can find it and getting the, the subscribers from there. And I think people are very, 
they're very afraid to go and share this amazing blog post or this amazing email that they've written in different places to stick it maybe on Medium, to tweet thread it out, to put it on Indie Hackers or Hacker News or some Reddit sub forum, something like that. Um, I think people should be sharing it much more often. And then if people like it, then they're going to go and sign up to get more of that. They're not going to say, well, I've read this now, so I don't need to go and sign up. And I think that's something that I see a lot of people making a mistake with. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And just building that habit of promoting and publishing consistently can start on something as easy as, as Twitter, you know, or whatever channel. So I think that's great. Something else that I often encourage people to do is to do direct outreach and to say, like, go find, start with 10 people, go reach out directly, find, find 10, 20, uh, who might want to sign up. Even if that first group is just doing it because they're like, uh, I'm not that interested in your topic, but I like you as a person. <laughs> and so I'll support your thing. And that sort of gets that initial quick momentum. Yeah. And you know, you can also piggyback off other people, right? Like, I mean, I only have only I've about 3000 probably subscribers on Twitter, but if someone writes something about me or mentions something that I've said in their newsletter alongside three or four other people that I would like to be mentioned alongside, and then they tell me that on Twitter, well, I'm almost certainly going to to retweet it and share it with people that I know. Right. And I think most other people are not too, you know, they're close to being as vain as I am. So I think you can, you can pretty easily piggyback of other people's audiences to get those first hundred or 200 as well. Yeah. That makes sense. It reminded me, I've been seeing more like newsletter collaborations, you know, that's something that's very common in the YouTube world of um, YouTube's direct advice to creators is you should, you should collaborate, you know, get, bring these two channels together. You'll both get a bunch of subscribers, release one video on each channel. Um, have you been seeing more newsletter collaborations and, and how well have they been working? Yeah, we have. We actually, it's something that people keep emailing me about when they sign up for Sparkloop as well and saying, Hey, do you know anyone else who has a similar newsletter? Um, and I think that that is a really interesting problem space that also hasn't quite been, been solved yet for some reason. Um, I think partly because it's, it's very difficult for computers to work that out. But a recent one that I saw was, was again, Trevor McKendrick and, um, and Josh Spector did a, a recent takeover that went really well, where they basically, they introduced each other in their weekly edition of their newsletter and then said, this is going to be a takeover in effect. Um, Josh is going to share some knowledge here. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, you know, putting your personal word behind it, your personal trust to say, this is worth reading and listening to. And at the end, you can go and sign up here. So I, I think we are going to see a lot more of that. And I think we're also going to see a lot more people, which is slightly different. I think we're going to see a lot more people building the the framework, the structure of their newsletter around the idea of shareability. So something that James Clear does really good, really well is each of his bits of his 321 newsletter, there is a very handy link to, to share and to tweet out that thought or to share that thought somewhere. And I think we're going to see more people building that format in to make it super easy for their readers to, to share something that they found interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I was a person who always underestimated the value of a, like a tweet button or something being there. Um, we recently added it where after you create a landing page in ConvertKit, um, it has a, you know, a, a share on Twitter or Facebook button right there that's prominent. And th there's now like 50 shares a day that show up just from that button, like uh, just on Twitter, like uh, for, on Facebook, I think it's actually double. And so you're looking at this and you're like, just coming from the explicit ask to share and promote makes a huge difference. So I could totally see that with James of when he gets down to the quote or 
some thought and it's like, tweet this. Um, I'd be the person who originally would say like, no, if they want to tweet it, they'll just highlight the text, jump to Twitter and, and do it. Um, and the fact of the data is that that's actually having the button and making it, uh, adding the call to action makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I'd be the first to admit I'm a super lazy person. Uh, if you give me a button and just say, hey, you could go and do this, then I'm much more likely to do it, even though maybe I don't think of myself as the kind of person who would uh, be affected by that. That makes sense. Okay, so in the newsletter takeovers uh, or the, the collaborations, I think the natural thing that I would have thought about is like, hey, let's do cross-promotion in some way. You know, if you're enjoying my newsletter, you should also go check out Louis. But I really like... Uh, the example you shared with Trevor of them, basically they wrote the same content, right? Cause they wrote their weekly newsletter and then they just, they just purely swapped. Uh, and so it was that same great value and, and it wasn't an additional lift for them. Um, they obviously, someone had to do the newsletter matchmaking, right. Of them knowing each other and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I guess I also saw it, Yesterday, uh, Lenny Richitsky, who's been on the show before, did it with April Dunford, or at least ran a, a guest post from April Dunford on on pricing and strategy and positioning. Uh, and that's such a big thing. I don't think James talks about this a lot, but he did a ton of guest posts early in his career. That's how he built his very first audience was going out and guest posting like crazy. Um, so I think we'll see a lot more of it. Yeah, totally. No, I, I agree. Um, are there other things with Sparkloop that you've seen that people are doing that is working really well for newsletters or, or any, any final thoughts on, like, as you put together your referral program, make sure to do these things? Um, I'm trying to think. So I think there are probably two things we didn't necessarily touch on too much that might be interesting. Um, so the one is just that the, obviously the ease of use of the referral section is a big thing. So having the actual referral link itself inside of the newsletter and having shareable, like one click to tweet, one click to, to share on Facebook, for example, having those links in there as well, so that you don't have people, you don't make your subscribers go and click on a button and then opt in to the referral program to generate their referral link and then share from there. That tends to... Is a refer, is or has a referral refer account by default. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that some people don't realize makes a massive difference. And it's often you see people who try out a referral program where there are so many steps involved to getting like for people to even to begin sharing that they don't get good results. And then they assume, uh, you know, a referral program in general doesn't work for me, not, oh, the specific way that I set this up was just super complicated for my subscribers. Um, and then the other thing I would say that we've been sleeping on a bit at Sparkle, we didn't realize because no one else was doing this, just, just how, uh, how much potential is there is the idea of running referral giveaways. So of having like a time limited window where you basically say, okay, instead of let's say getting re this reward for three referrals, this reward for five referrals and so on saying, okay, on a Monday, the email goes out, make one referral this week. And you'll be entered into a giveaway uh, to win whatever it is, one of three of these, these things by Friday. So it adds in some urgency. And what we're seeing as well is that A, people respond super well to it because they think, okay, everyone can make one referral and I'm in for, with a chance to, to win this big thing. And B, 
we're seeing people using that either as a sponsorship opportunity. So saying, um, you know, reaching out to a sponsor and saying, Hey, can you give me the, the prize for this in return for the exposure and also maybe pay for that as, a, as an additional advertising slot if you do advertising or even using it to reach out to, um, to potential sponsors, especially if you're a bit smaller and to say, okay, look, marketing team at this company, um, you know, we know it's difficult for you to get the budget, especially to work with us because we're smaller. Why don't you just sponsor us? You know, why don't you give us two or three of your products to run as a referral giveaway? We'll mention you. We'll include a link. Um, we can use that as a way to build up a relationship. And then let's talk about you actually sponsoring us for money in a couple of months. And that's that's worked super well so far. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm thinking back to the early days of ConvertKit when you know you're doing we would do content marketing, right. To try to get customers, but there's, there was no incentive to sign up right then. It's like, Oh yeah, convert it. Yeah. I'll switch to that sometime this year, this decade, you know, and there, there's no reason to do it right then. And that's when we started webinars where you would have some time limited thing. And you're like, look, if you sign up for convert it on this webinar, then we're going to give you this discount or these additional bonuses or something else. And it takes this thing that someone is intending to do at some point, and they go to like, great, I'm going to do, actually do it right now. And that makes a huge difference. And then, you know, for those that don't sign up in the webinar, you add another timeline of like, if you do it by the end of the week or, um, you know, tomorrow or something like that. And you're basically looking for any opportunity to take something of like, I want to do this and we'll do it someday. And you're just saying, great, anytime you want, so long as it is before Friday and that's going to make a big difference. Turns out urgency matters. So I love that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Um, we should start to wrap up. I'd love to hear, you know, maybe if you just want to let um, people know one, where to go sign up for Sparkloop if they're considering uh, starting a newsletter. Actually, if you have a getting started guide or, or sort of that, any, any content um, around uh, knowing if a newsletter referral program is right for for them, that would be good. And then where people should follow you on other platforms. Yeah. So I am Louis Nichols with an underscore at the end on Twitter. Uh, Louis at sparkloop.app is a great place to reach me if you have any questions. Uh, sparkloop.app is the, the website for Sparkloop, but the best place to go, and maybe this can be included in the, in the show notes, is actually sparkloop.app slash referral university. And that's a free uh, five email course that we've put together that includes a free month of Sparkloop where you can get, um, sorry, my, my video seems to have gone for some reason. Don't worry. Uh, it's not an important part. Um, yeah, ba basically if you, if you go over there, you can get a, uh, a free month of Sparkloop and also a series of five lessons where we'll walk you through what a referral program might do for you, whether it's the right time, how to set one up, what rewards to use and that kind of thing. Sounds good. That's perfect. Well, I'm a big fan of Sparkloop, uh, obviously because I invested in Sparkloop and we've been promoting it and it's part of uh, Creator Pro. So if you're using ConvertKit and you're on the Creator Pro account, you get it for free. Um, so definitely take your newsletter, start a referral program, and you're going to see pretty significant growth if you set it up correctly with a bunch of tips that, that Louie included. So Louie, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, Nathan, thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs>